Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing to do things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our own terms. And if you are here as a first-time listener or a seasoned listener, I always want to take the time out of this intro to just say how much I appreciate you, seriously, for, for investing in yourself to expand and grow and learning from the incredible humans that I'm bringing on this podcast that are already making a meaningful difference in the world. And you're taking their knowledge and you're applying it in your own life to create a bigger impact. And I just appreciate you so much for doing that. I am a absolute super nerd and I love studying every single person that comes on the show. I read their books and do a deep dive to bring their best content with you. And today's guest is making a massive impact on businesses from studying something you wouldn't expect. And his name is Stu Hynek. And I'm going to tell you about his bio in just a second. But in this episode, I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how you can develop a weed mindset to unlock unstoppable growth and no, not the smoking dubs kind of weed, <laughs> the weeds that you see that are all over the place inside of your lawn. Uh, number two, I want you to listen for what Stu calls a resilience improv. And if you do this correctly, you'll learn how to turn any setback into a strength. And number three, what you can learn from the weeds that are growing in your garden and the weeds that you see out and about that will help you to develop an unfair advantage in your business. So who is today's guest? Well, Stu Hynek is a best-selling business author, marketer, and Wall Street Journal cartoonist. His first book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, introduced the concept of contact marketing and was named one of the top 64 sales books of all time. His latest released, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, lays out a complete model for explosive business growth based on the strategies, attributes, and tools weeds use to grow, expand, and dominate and defend their turf. He is a twice-nominated Hall of Fame marketer, NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center author in residence, and was named the father of contact marketing by the American Marketing Association. He is currently teaming with the NASDAQ Center to launch the Total Weed Award to recognize weed-like growth and audacity among various categories of entrepreneurial ventures. This interview was an absolute blast, and if you are a living, breathing human, that means you've probably seen weeds all over the place or maybe been in several battles of trying to remove them from your yard. And it's really incredible that nobody has studied weeds from the perspective of growth and how we can apply that to businesses. And so it was really cool to read Stu's deep dive into the weed world. He's interviewed botanists. He interviewed a ton of incredibly successful entrepreneurs for this book. And it was also cool reading the book and listening to the interviews that he's done or reading the interviews because there were a bunch of people that have appeared on the show that he uh, credited as, as source material. So anyways, if you read the book, you'll recognize some of the names of the people that he interviewed. But anyways, this is a blast of an interview. Super excited for you to listen to this interview with my new friend, Stu Hynek. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? 
You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Stu, my friend, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. This is going to be so much fun. I, I know it already. <laughs> I, you know, we've been talking just a little bit before we start up, and yes, I can't wait. This is, a, this is going to be a blast. For sure. So I would love to start with a story that would both give us a glimpse as to who you are, but also already using some of the, the weed metaphor, plant some seeds for, for moving forward. And so I, I thought a great place to start would be sharing something, a little inception where we start with a little bit of seed strategy, but it's actually a story. So, um, you know, you talk about in your book, the seed strategy, how it's basically anything that causes people to become aware of and form the intent to transact with us in some way. And you talk about how stories are the ultimate seeds. And uh, you have another book called How to Get a Market, Get a Meeting with Anyone. And you're really good at reaching people. So, so much so that the way that you met your wife is very, very interesting. <laughs> so I would love for you to tell the story about how you met your wife. Uh, and then we can kind of unpack what that has to do with the weed model later. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, man, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to talk about that. Well, I'm married to a penthouse cover model from uh, from Denmark. <laughs> and and so you might ask, well, how on earth did that happen? <laughs> and and so, um, man, you know, I got to start way, way back. Like as a kid, you know, I was sorry. Some of your audience is going to hate this, but I was, you know, as a kid, we, my brothers and I, we used to sneak Playboys out of our father's dresser drawers. And and we'd be looking at, of course, we'd be reading the article. That was always the joke, you know. But for sure, anyway, for the content, absolutely. We article. <laughs> Sorry? Absolutely, for the content. I know yeah, the yeah, yeah. was we, irrelevant. <laughs> so we, we would sneak them out just to read those articles. And, but, and the pictures, of course. And, and, and then, um, gosh, this really relates back to also how my career started. Because I I'm looking at the cartoons and I'm saying, wow, who are these guys? How do they do this? And... Gahan Wilson and Eldon Dadini may not, those names may not mean anything now, but they were like, they were just, they were incredible cartoonists and they were in there every, every issue. And um, yeah, well, so, so sort of concurrently, I realized, well, I, I'm really kind of beholden to those, those beautiful blonde Scandinavian women that I saw in the, in the magazine that I saw them in James Bond films and I saw them. Saw them everywhere. Now, here's some here's some really added pressure. She just walked into the room. She's right next to me off camera. I'm thinking, I right, gotta kick, gotta kick, tell this story carefully. But, but so, you know, I, I just thought, you know, as a high school kid, I'm gonna go to one of those countries and I'm gonna find one of those beautiful blonde Scandinavian women. And um I thought, man, what an adventure. That would be what an incredible adventure that would be. I'm gonna do this. And then, you know, like 13 years later, I had my business going. I'm in Beverly Hills, based in Beverly Hills. This is my 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 ad or my marketing agency. Everything was going great. I had the coolest clients. I mean, all these big magazines and 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 I thought, okay, what's next? I know I, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna turn this into a film. I want to make a film about about this fantasy that I've had since high school. And so I hired, I was introduced to the to to the screenwriter who wrote the original. Um, screenplay for Pink Panther, um, won an Oscar for it. Maurice Rich Richland was his name, and I paid him a lot of money. And we sat down together, and we worked out a story treatment. And so then, you know, like about a month before I was, well, I, I booked a trip, I should say, as well. I booked a trip to to go to um, Stockholm because I just thought I had to, I have to got to go with my video camera and interview people and play, just shoot the place. And 
just find out like did i did i get this wrong maybe i did but maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't accurate at all and and so but about a month before i was set to go and i was all booked to go to, to i was going to stockholm um i saw this picture in a magazine and i said wow my god if if i mean if i was going on this fantasy for real this is the girl i would bring home and um and so now i'm going to shorten the story a little bit to say that's the woman who i'm married to but so you know reaching out and and just saying um i'm reaching out you know i i was actually on a quest to create a film um and and i guess that sort of oh, that opened some doors but i've reached out to the magazine they put me in touch with her photographer and i explained i'm i'm gonna i want to make this film this is what it's about um and and so uh, you know I, i'm flying to stockholm i wonder if you could if you could introduce us and i could then i could fly her to stockholm and so anyway the, the story unfolds from there she was engaged to the karate champion of denmark it was just a crazy we met i fell i was in love with her before i got there but but then we had this most outrageous day to, to we just spent the day going around copenhagen <clears throat> pardon me going around copenhagen I interviewed her on camera and very, very, very uh, awkwardly. And I like, kept bumping the camera and <laughs> made it real, you know, but um, it was just the most incredible experience. And, you know, there was, there was, the thing is there was no, um, there's no gimmickry involved in that. I wasn't, I, I didn't get the film made, but the film wasn't a gimmick. I was actually doing it. And, and I think when you're on a quest like that, um, I think it draws people to you. And, and when you're a, we hear the word authentic or authenticity all the time, but that was purely authentic, authentic, um, an authentic quest to make something out of out of this this high school fantasy that that people could enjoy and relate to, and um, and and so as a result, we 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 just created this great connection and. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's how I met that's my hilarious. Wife. So I didn't hear the full extent to that story when I initially heard it, but what stood out to me from that entire thing is one, now you all heard this hilarious story of someone who clearly has a knack for being able to do exactly what he says and get a meeting with anyone. Like he was able to to meet his wife that way. But also the 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 kind of meta part of that is you just heard a little bit of weed strategy because that was a hilarious story. That's probably going to stick into your brain of a guy that reached out to a, a model that ended up being his wife. And so we'll, we'll dive into this whole topic of, of weeds and how you can tell more impactful stories or create elements where your story is spreading and you can get your idea to so many people out there. But I appreciate you sharing that because clearly you did something right. Even if you were fumbling with the camera because you ended up getting married. So you did, you did something right there. So let's, let's continue on with the, the weed analogy and maybe to set things up um, in the very beginning of the book, you talk about a moment that changed your life. And it was, you were, you were driving down the Santa Monica freeway in Los Angeles and you see a dandelion. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was such a profound thing. And then you think about it and we drive down the roads all the time and we see dandelions everywhere. <laughs> they just, right. So it was, it was this very, um, I mean, it was such a, such a, a such an unremarkable thing, but then utterly remarkable as well. So I'm driving down the Santa Monica freeway, you know, and it's like six lanes going one way, six lanes coming the other way, 40 foot wide concrete medium in the middle. There's a lot of concrete and tires and it's no place for a plant to grow. But of, of course, if there are any, if there are any cracks in the concrete, we know that, that dandelions and other weeds will find them and they'll make, they'll make a living out of the concrete crack, you know? 
And so that's what I was noticing. I was just whizzing by and was realizing, wow, look at that concrete. I mean, look at that, look at that dandelion. It's kind of bobbing around and in the in the smoggy turbulence of you know all those cars driving by and you know had those happy yellow flowers and the seed pod was going you know blowing those seeds around and and it just really struck me because i mean and you know how many times do we drive by that scene everywhere all over the world but that one time i drew it, when i drove by it just really struck me because i thought well hang on a second you know that's really kind of remarkable that they're there. How do they get there? Well, you you might ask, how do they get there, right? I was asking, how does it get there? But of course, we know how it gets there. They have these seeds that blow that that you know that fly all over the place. They probe every possible opportunity to take root. And isn't that a great de description already of an entrepreneur? <laughs> someone who takes someone who explores every possible opportunity to to take root. And and it just went on from there. I just wonder, well, do they have a like what makes them so special? You know, because they're they're you know there there are no apple trees growing out of the cracks in the concrete medians of freeways, as far as I know. No <laughs> rose bushes, no petunias, you know, like zinnias, whatever. What makes weeds so special, so powerful, so um, I don't know? They're just so expansive. I don't. know. What is it that makes them so special? And and I wondered as I whizzed by, do they have a model that they follow? Is there like one thing that, or is there a, a, this this one unified um, model for growth that they all follow? And if they do, if that if there is one like that, can we apply it to our businesses? And I discovered that yeah, they do have a model. It is this unified model. They all use the same thing, and and yeah, not only can we apply apply it to businesses, I think it's the theory of everything about growing anything. Yeah. And I, it's so you went so deep into this metaphor in the book and I love it so much because you, this is not just like you saw this on the highway and then you wrote a whole book on it. Like you interviewed botanists and like, it was quite a, I learned so much about weeds and I just have a ridiculously, not that I didn't already respect weeds kind of, but like in going through your book, it's like, holy crap, like these things are incredible the way that they've adapted over the years. And so if anything, uh, I would encourage anyone to read the book. If you're just a naturally curious person and you want to learn more about the adaptation strategies of these weeds, but the fact that you layered it on top of what is the parallel to business growth and how can we apply it, what these weeds are doing, I just thought it was incredible. So the, the book is kind of organized. I mean, you have a bunch of chunks, but like the first chunk, you kind of talk about weed mindset, and then you dive into your weeds model. And we're probably not going to have time to go into every different component of it. But I think as I say the words weed mindset, someone might hear that and be like, wait on, hold on a second. Like weeds don't even have brains. How can you have a weed mindset? So, but <laughs> this entire section of the book was absolutely incredible. And there's so much to learn from the, the weed mindset. So we'd love for you to share a little bit about how we can learn the weed mindset from something that doesn't even have a brain. <laughs> sure. And I, and I think what I should do is I should also just explain that I, I, I just mentioned there's a model and I should explain because that, that, that gives um, context as to why we're even talking about the weed, the mindset yeah, of the weed. And by the way, when we say weed mindset, of course, you know, no, we're not, we're not <laughs> talking about a bunch of guys smoking dubs. <laughs> but so that, that so that weed um, that weed strategy that model, um, the thing that they all follow is this. It's really simple. It's that they leverage a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale, and they do it according to a process that is. Millions of years old. I mean, these these plants are million. They've been around for probably 145 million years, um, and and so that so their process is really well honed. You know, yeah, better than anything we have. 
but it's also a living process. And and as you might, I'm sure you recall from some of the, the weed examples at the head of each chapter, they um they this process that they that they have just programmed into their DNA is is something that changes constantly. And 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 so they're always evolving. That's that's their evolution, actually. So they're always evolving and and creating new solutions around around any challenge that they that they encounter, like let's say herbicides, for example. There's one weed that developed immunity to Roundup in four years, and it's crazy. Well, but, talk, okay, uh, ex expand there a little bit, because like I yeah. know Roundup, some people may not know what that is. Explain what Roundup is and oh, how yeah. weeds have been able to adapt to it. Well, if you have a yard, you know Roundup because <laughs> it's this it's this herbicide that we we buy at the at the hardware store, and this stuff is just deadly. I mean, you don't want to inhale it; it's probably deadly to us as well. But if you spray it on a, on anything. Uh, spray it on a dandelion, it'll just wilt in about, I don't know, 30 seconds. It almost like it melts it. It's it's really, really um toxic stuff. And and so um the, the weed I was talking about is uh, is water hemp and it has developed immunity to to, to well to glyphosate, the, the active ingredient in, in Roundup, and fully 70% of all of the other herbicides that are used by by agriculture. In four years, and the thing is, then it's programmed into the DNA of every instance of all of the plant that that follows. So they all follow the same. They don't have to be trained. In other words, they just follow it. It's it's really their their relationship to to process is amazing. But now you you had um, you had asked about mindset. So yeah. how on earth you know like how can a plant have how can any plant have a mindset because they don't have brains, you know. But the thing is, if you watch what they do, if you watch their actions, there's a there's a very apparent mindset there. They're they're aggressive and resilient and adaptive. You just you know, try to try to pull weeds out of your lawn, try to get rid of them. You'll see they don't leave, and they they continue to spread, and they're relentless. And um, uh, and so there there is this really aggressive mindset that they have, that's really wonderful. And there's one thing that I didn't mention in the book that came to realize later that is also part of their mindset, which is that they're just great collaborators They're natural collaborators. And that one piece of it alone has been changing my business because I have a business, I have a, I have a marketing agency. And, and what I've realized is that, um, you know, if we, it's just that we've got to, we, we are our most powerful when we collaborate with others. In fact, I'm sure by the end of our conversation right now, I'm going to be saying, so Brandon, let's collaborate. You know, let's figure <laughs> out what we can do. And and it's amazing because you end up collaborating with some amazing people. So far, this is what's happening. Some of the collaboration concepts. I mean, it's like I'm rearranging my entire business around collaborations now. Mm. So collaboration is a huge piece of their of their mindset that that is both you know a, a big factor in their success and their power out in the out in the field but it's also something that we can pick up on easily in our businesses yeah well we can for sure see if we we'll, we'll zoom into the collaboration strategy because i know that's part of the the you're practicing what you preach that's part of the the weeds model but i wanted to zoom in a little bit more and expand on this mindset component for just a, a little bit more before we dive into some of the other stuff i thought maybe a, a good example of building on this foundation of what you just talked about weeds having a mindset is give you an example because you give so many incredible examples of weeds that are just doing incredible things in the world and one of the stories that you talk about in the book is your battle with the himalayan blackberry 
blackberries in your in your backyard. And this is kind of like the personification of persistence and and um, doing, you know, having that weed mindset. So talk a little bit about your battle with the Himalayan blackberries. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, I live in the I live in the Pacific Northwest where the Himalayan the Himalayan blackberry is a it's a well, it's a weed. And you're like many weeds. They're not just like this this noxious, noxious thing. They also have I mean, they they blackberries are great <laughs> they taste great they're they're a crop as well but these things are really they're they're so aggressive and uh and, and so we moved to a to this great place on on um, on whitby island a little bit north of seattle it's a beautiful spot just gorgeous and 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 so um the blackberries just thrive here and the previous owners of the house planted oh my god why did they do this but they planted two rows of of blackberries in the backyard and and what the, what happens is that these things can grow sometimes they can grow as much as 2 feet a night or in, I should say in a 24 hour it seems like it's overnight so in a 24 hour period 2 feet though god and and they've got just these huge thorns on them and you know they can so pretty soon that that um those two neat little rows they must have been neat at one point but by the time we got there it was just this huge huge it's like this big as a house this big huge thatch of of uh, blackberries and with that well well we don't want them here anymore so we hired a crew they came out with a tractor and they bulldozed it out they just bulldozed it both they bulldozed it out and took all of the plant material away and put it i don't know put it in a dump or something and and you know they immediately started growing back it was it was amazing well like, what are they doing here <laughs> you know and and so then I went out. I'm like, okay, it's not a big, it's not as big as a house anymore. They're just little shoots. So I'm going to just, I'm going to go out there with a pickaxe and start getting these things out. Well, I started hitting, started swinging that pickaxe, and the pickaxe would bounce out of the ground at times. And I was like, what did I just hit? And and what I hit was, the, I don't know what it is. I guess the, it's not a root ball, but it's sort of the heart of the plant. I guess it's like a bulb. It's about the size of a fist, you know, and 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 when you hit it within, it's so, it's so hard, but then also I guess elastic in a way, that that's what's causing these things, the, the the pickaxe to bounce out of the ground again. So I pulled those out, got those out, and we, you know, we would we would hit the um, the shoots that we saw, we'd, we'd snip them and hit it with a little bit of Roundup, and I, mean, I don't really want to use Roundup much, but we just sort of painted on the on the stems, or it was like carefully doing surgery to get them out of the ground. And thought, okay, good. That's that's over. And then no, you look and again, there they are again. And you know, that's really just that's the way weeds are. They just keep coming back. But you know, I, you might wonder, like, well, what do you, what is this about? What about the weeds? What is it about the weed mindset that we can carry with us? And I think probably the most, um, if you don't mind, I, I'd love to just explain yeah. that because so. The thing is, um, if weeds could talk to us, and of course they can't, but we can just we can watch and learn. And and so, um, but I think if they could talk to us, they'd they'd be saying, you know, we noticed that you you have emotions and these emotions, we don't have them, we don't suffer from them, but you do. And we see that you get hung up on these things really quickly. And so if if you've if you've suffered a setback, then you get hung up on how far you've been set back instead of getting to work on 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 regaining the territory and 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 so forth. So we're we would our, our advice to you would be instead of letting your emotions lead your actions let your actions lead your emotions um and and to me one of the ways that that shows up is 
is just in working out and I'm terrible about it because I'm still letting my, my emotions. Yeah. I don't really feel like it right now, you know? <laughs> so I did though this morning, it was like, boom, you know, it just, it feels so good when you let your actions lead your emotions an amazing thing happens because it actually, I think it actually creates op optimism. I think that's what it is. Cause you, you come out of, for example, working out you're like, man, I can do anything. I can't wait now. What are we going to do today? And, you know, it just, it, it's, it sets a, a different tone for the day than, than just like, I don't know. I didn't feel like working out. Jeez. That, now I'm disappointed that it didn't work out. And, yeah. you know, and all these disappointments and slights, all these things you think we were, we think that we were, entitled to, et cetera, just stop, just let your actions lead your emotions. It's one of the great gifts I think that weeds are giving us. A hundred percent. And I, I witnessed this firsthand as well, kind of very similar to you. I just ran my first marathon a month ago at the time of this oh, recording nice. and, and I did it because I hated running, but like I, I did it as a challenge, but that was one thing that I definitely noticed. It's like in the beginning, your identity isn't about being a runner. It's like this, this sucks and you're just doing it. But like when you focus on doing it over and over again, you watch as your mindset eventually shifts as the identity of somebody that does run. And then you're, like you said, let your actions lead your emotions. Eventually you, you kind of have a whole new mindset as a result of yourself seeing you do something over and over again. And that's one thing that I loved so much about this example that you just gave with the the blackberries and throughout the book is that the weeds are so good at just focusing on their process. Like they, they, they don't really, no matter what happens, whether somebody's pouring roundup on them or pick swinging a pickaxe at them or bulldozing them, they're just like, all right, like this is what I'm being dealt with. And I'm just going to continue moving forward and evolving regardless of the, the current situation. And I just think that it's a, yeah. a, a be beautiful and powerful lesson for us. And I would love to, one more thing on the mindset thing, we can dive into the, the model. My favorite part from this entire section that I think is a huge actionable takeaway from someone is is something that you call resilience improv. And um, <laughs> I, I, I recently took an improv class a, you know, a few months ago now, and this just like immediately stuck out to me as kind of like an exercise that anyone can do. If the equivalent of somebody pouring Roundup on you and your business happens or COVID happens or whatever it may be. So talk to us a little bit about resilience improv and how we could use that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you I'm glad you picked that up. You know, I was just at, by the way, I was just at Second City um, a few months ago, first time ever being there. And, you know, it's it's like Mecca for for comedy improv. It's, <laughs> it was incredible. Um, and, I, and I love that you... Actually, great respect for a couple of things. One, you ran a marathon. That's incredible. You must feel, ex you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you just feel like you're on top. Well, you feel tired, but, <laughs> but also you feel like you could do anything, right? And Absolutely. And, and very cool. And I noticed that a lot of the highest, highest, um, the highest functioning people that I know of, and certainly a lot of like CEOs and so forth, a lot of the really high, high functioning people I know, they are marathoners or I mean, I'm, one of them is Dan Waldschmidt. Dan runs 100-mile races. It's not even a marathon. He runs 100-mile races, and he wins these things. But there are a lot of people who are very, very devoted to to, to working out in some way, in some form, or running marathons, et cetera. And, and, and it causes them, I think, to become, I don't know, I guess they were high-functioning people to begin with, but just causes them to become even more high-functioning. So where were we? I forgot. <laughs> no, we were talking about resilience improv. Oh, resilience so, and, and, oh, yeah, and, improv, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but, so you know that the rule in, in improv, in comedy improv, is you've got a partner up on stage, and they'll say whatever they're going to say, some crazy thing. 
And then your action, your reaction always has to start with yes. And, you know, you have to agree. You can never disagree. It's always, yeah. And, you know, so, and, and I was thinking, well, we should be doing the same thing with, with, um, with setbacks because, yeah, but it's like, you know, we just deal with what is. And, and that's, that's what they, I mean, that's not all they do, but that is what they do. They deal with what is. And so, so that was sort of an exercise or a reminder to, um, to deal with what is. So anything bad, anything that you feel is a setback comes up, look for the silver lining. There's always something, always something positive. When a door closes, another one opens, maybe many doors open. And so our focus needs to be on what those new things, what those new opportunities are. We're, we're facing a, I, I don't know, let's say the prospect of, of a, of a uh, recession, if we're not in one yet. Um, and inflation is is in, in is doing terribly, and or, or is a terrible problem, and um, energy prices, et cetera. I mean, we're, there, there's a lot stacked up against the the economy um, burgeoning at the moment. And so, you know, in the face of recessions, a lot of people just they, they're scared and they 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 retract and they stop trying and they stop they stop pushing. Let's say if they're entrepreneurs. Uh, they'll they'll pull in the oars in terms of marketing. They're like, whoa, we're not going to spend anything. We don't have to. Some of that's smart, but some of it's really pound fool or penny foolish. Yeah, what it is, pen foolish, pound penny, yeah, what the, pound foolish is what I mean. And so, yeah, well, um, you know, it's it just it's it's actually probably the opposite of what. Well, it's certainly the opposite of what the weeds would do because weeds thrive in in disrupted ground, but they love it. And and I think that they help us reframe what recessions and and tough times can be because they don't have to be tough. I think they may be the biggest time of of opportunity that there is. Yeah, for sure. And I just think that that's. I read a quote uh, from Dan Kennedy a few weeks ago, and it just stuck out to me. It's like I create my own economy. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. Like I create my own economy. So like I think that it's a no matter what's going on that's something that you can just take and apply right now and learn from the weeds. It's like, whatever happens, it's like, huh, that's, that's interesting. Why, why, how is this good? Not, not like, why is this good or whatever it may be, but like force yourself and your brain to see what that thing is. If you ask yourself that question, um, so many positive things can come as a result of just being more curious about the bad thing that happened. So I love that. So, so people following along so far have kind of begin to understand about the relentlessness, the the resilience that these weeds have. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the other stuff that you've learned from studying these weeds. So you you have developed this weeds model that you talk about in the book. There's eight parts to it. Um, and we don't necessarily have to cover them all right now, but we'd love to maybe start by yeah. giving like a 30,000 foot overview of the weeds model. And then we can dive into some of the specific components of it. Sure. Well, well let's come back to the, to the model the, the overall model, the, the weed strategy model, which is that weeds are, they're, they're leveraging a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale and doing it according to a process that's well-honed, but 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 it's living, it's 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 changeable. Um, so so that second part, the, the unfair advantages, is that's where we focus on um, the weeds as an acronym, the weed-inspired enterprise expansion and domination strategies. Um, so, but the weeds model and the eight levels of the weeds model, seed and seed pod and thorn and uh, and, and um, segmentation, rosette, uh, um, vine, root and soil strategies. So there are all these levels of strategy in the model to help us cultivate new unfair advantages. That's the that's the whole point of that that model. 
And it's really interesting when I talk to business owners and I ask them, well, what are, what are some of your unfair advantages? They don't really know. And they should, they really should. If, if you don't have unfair advantages, you're not gonna be in business very long. Seriously, you have to have, and by the way, unfair advantage, what I mean by unfair is just that that's how your competitors might describe it. You know, that's how we yeah. black our competitors describe it, I suppose. But they're just these things you just think, how on earth is anyone gonna compete with this, right? So you want to be on, sure. the, on the winning side of those. You want to have a lot of those. And so, and I can describe some of mine, my own, if, if you'd like, but I can do that. But but it's just really, it's all those levels of, of, the, of strategy, seed strategy and, and so forth. They're all about creating new unfair advantages that others, that your competitors are going to have a hard time, if not impossible time, matching. Yeah. So let's, let's for sure, let's zoom in there. Cause I know one of the strategies that the weeds employ is something you call the rosette strategy, which is exactly that is creating up with these unfair advantages. And I, I just highlighted this chunk in the book. Cause I thought it was so good is weeds never do anything without an unfair advantage. And yeah. if you're listening to this right now, whether you've given yourself permission to have an unfair advantage or you identified it or not, I guarantee there's plenty of opportunities. Um, Cause as you talk about in the book, like you can build unfair advantages. Like these are, these are things that you can actually create for yourself. So um, we can kind of tie this back into where we started and some of your earlier experiences and what you ended up creating. But one of your unfair advantages is that you're a cartoonist. Uh, so we'd love for you to maybe share a little bit about how you've developed like leverage your cartooning experience as an unfair advantage, specifically when it comes to connecting and building relationships with people. Yeah, yeah. Well, well there's two ways that that being a cartoonist is an unfair advantage. One is that, um, well, I'm well, I'm I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. So when my cartoons appear there, they reach a big audience. That's great. That's an unfair advantage. That's hard to that's hard to match. Um, there's also then, um, I've been using cartoons my whole career to break through to people I should never be able to reach, right? So I, 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 I mean, I launched my business by sending 24 cartoon pieces out to the circulation directors of the big magazine publishers at the time. And um, I sent it, so I sent a cartoon with a with a note saying this is the, a personalized cartoons. They're always personal. Mine are always personalized, or mostly, I should say. Uh, and and so the cartoon was about each recipient. And um, and I said, this is the device that I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. I just did. I just I created the I created two test campaigns and just blew them out of the water. So um, and so look, this this is what I just used to beat the controls, or in other words, to set new response records for those two magazines. And we should put this to the test for your titles. And I got through to all of them. All of them, all of them, like all of them answered, but they they got on the phone with me. All of them agreed to meet. All of them became clients. So suddenly, from this one little campaign where I, I just sent to 24 people, I penetrated the entire publish magazine publishing market for my agency. So that that's pretty amazing stuff. And, and so, uh, and I, I think it sort of is evidence of that's what happens when you have an unfair advantage. <laughs> You're like, yeah. people go, Oh yeah, you get people's attention. And in this case, that unfair advantage, well, it, the cartooning was the cartoon was the element of it, but then it was became, I can get a meeting with anyone. What an, what an incredible unfair advantage. That's so, okay. So there's so much to dive into there, but like, I just want to highlight the, in, like how impressive that is. He got through to all of them, like literally 
100% of them. So like, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you can imagine like, pretend you're a CEO, you're sitting inside of an office, your assistant walks in the door with an eight by 10 inch cartoon that is, is printed and she pr provided to you and it's a customized cartoon it's got your name on it like that's going to get your attention so talk about an unfair advantage not only i'm sure at the time when you started that you didn't have the wall street journal cartoonist title but like the fact that you've been able to create these these campaigns that have stood for the test of time has been super valuable so i know you and i talked about kind of staying within the weeds topic but i think this is a, a super cool opportunity to dive a little bit deeper if, if somebody's listening to this Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I got something. I don't know if you, I, I, I have this little video that I should probably share with you. Mm. Um, if if um, if you can give me permission to do that, I'm going to set it up because, so, you know, when I send cartoons around to, to people and I send them like we do, this is what we do in our agency as well. We help sales teams break through. So, um, you know, when I send a cartoon to someone, I, I know that there's a good reaction to it, but I'm never there to see it. Well, how could I be there to see it? If I send it to you, I don't even know where you are, Brandon, but uh, I, are you in Wisconsin? I am in Wisconsin, yeah. Okay, it was a crazy, crazy guess. So so if I sent you a cartoon, well, I'm not there with you. I just want to watch you open it. So um, so I sent a cartoon to Billie Jean, you know, the the influencer, um, uh, marketing marketing influencer on, on Instagram. And I just wanted to introduce myself. So I sent him this, this, you know, I was going to call it a cool piece. I can't describe my own stuff that way, but, <laughs> but I sent him this little, it is a cool piece. And, um, and his, his assistant got it. And she said, you know, I, I think this, this looks so interesting. I'm going to film an unboxing video of it. So for 50 seconds, she's unboxing it, but she's reacting to it. I finally got to see what the reaction looks like. And, That's and I think it would be interesting to show this because this is also an unfair advantage unfolding before our eyes. This is yeah. what it looks like. So let's see. So I'm going to just uh, jump over here. Yeah, share up. screen, share the audio. I'm not entirely sure how this is going to work out for you listening right now. I'm sure you'll be able to hear some of it, but I'll make sure, Stu, that you send me the link to this um, so that on the show notes, if you're following yeah. along and you hear this and it doesn't necessarily have all the context that you'll be able to check it out. So yeah. yeah. Do, did you share the audio, Stu? Uh, yes. So here okay. it comes. Go for it. I usually wait till you get here, Bill, to show your packages, but this one's pretty cool and I'm too anxious <laughs> to wait and show you. So, here's the reveal. If I can get the cap off. Read how awesome this is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the tale of the hired gun. I ever tell you, fellas, the story of the Billy Kid? Yep, sure did. How about Wild Bill Jean? You mean the marketing race from San Diego? At least a hundred times before. Yep, you can say that again. <laughs> Look at the back. I'm kind of in love with this guy. Mad respect. So, you know. Oh my gosh. So isn't that, I mean, so that's, that's his executive assistant, right? Yeah. And you know, the one that everyone, we, we are, we're always describing those, those people as gatekeepers, but you know, she said she's fallen in love with me. <laughs> that's pretty So the whole point is if you could do something that causes that reaction, you know, like I love the way you think that's totally, an, that's such an unfair advantage and such a great way to get, get through to anyone. All of that stuff is all of this stuff, it's all unfair advantages. And you can see it. It could be, it can, they can take so many different forms. I was just, I just wrote about Amazon's drone program. So they're, they're, they're they continue to, Amazon's probably the big, best example I can think of, of a weed like 
um, company, by the way. But so they're they're developing this this drone delivery service. They've been working on it since 2013, as far as I know. I mean, that's when we first heard about it. And they're going to do it. They'll pull it off. And and so, you know, if they do that, that's a great well, think about the unfair advantage there. Now you can order something from Amazon and within 30 minutes, it shows up at your house. Yeah. <laughs> How are they going over? How's anyone going to meet uh, or beat that? I, I, so oh, I want to highlight so many incredible things from what you just shared. I just interviewed Mike Canings on my show. I don't know if that'll come out before or after or whatever it is, but one thing that he had said on our episode is more is not better and fewer and simpler is not necessarily less. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I don't have yeah. Stu Heineke cartoon or Heineck, sorry. I don't have his cartoon abilities and, and be able to do that. But here is something that I will share just to add on top of what Stu's talking about is you can do this with thoughtfulness. I can't tell you how many times that I've been just listening to some a guest on my show and they say something small, like a, a hobby of theirs or a passion of theirs. And I just grab onto that. And I've, I've done this multiple times for guests where like I've sent them something as a thank you. It was like less than 20 bucks or whatever it may be, but it means the world to them. Like, for example, yeah. we were talking about Jeff Madoff, um, you know, that came on my show. Jeff told this story about how, when he was a kid, he used to rent uh silent, silent films and play them for little movie theaters that he would create in his, in his neighborhood as kids. And he mentioned a specific silent eight millimeter film. And I found it on eBay for like, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks or whatever, but I sent it to him as a thank you gift. And like, um, you know, it's just those kinds of things where if you listen, this stuff doesn't necessarily have to be expensive, but that could be an unfair, unfair advantage of yours is thinking about how much you just care about the people in front of you and showing, not telling how much you care. And so I, I just think that it's a great example. And I thank you so much for sharing, but I would, I would encourage anyone listening to like, think about some of the things that you might think are unfair advantages, or you might not even realize that they're unfair advantage of yours. I should say, because like most likely you don't even realize the power of what you have. And it takes somebody else to share that with you and tell you that it's an unfair advantage. So um, I, I yeah. love that so much. Yeah. Well, I cool. think, you know, when I'm, con when I'm consulting on it with weed strategy, there are two areas that, that we focus on actually three, four, but <laughs> two that are just like, you just go, oh, these are gifts from gifts from above. So one of them is you've got to create unfair advantages, cultivate them and, and you probably have some, so you need to know what they are and then accentuate them. And then you need to create more. And the other one is creating collaborations, which can also create all kinds of really interesting, unfair advantages. And, and if I might just share this one example with you, I, I, I wrote in the book that I'm going to start a new award called the Total Weed Award. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's it's to uh, you know to recognize entrepreneurs and startups and and um, um, I, I maybe maybe we'll broaden it beyond the startup scene but uh, but anyway to to recognize people for this weed like growth and spread um, and just audacity for for causing that growth to happen it was using weed strategy I'm sure we can recognize those strategies and what they're doing and and so. Um, you might you might have also noticed that the executive director of the Nasdaq Entrepreneurial Center wrote the foreword to my book. I, what a coup! That alone, wow! I'm I'm so thrilled to have her her words in the book at the at the beginning of the book. But I I asked her. I said, Nicola, you know, I have this award that I've got to I've got to start up now, and and uh, and I was just wondering, should we collaborate, or would it, would you be interested in collaborating? Could we host it? Could the could the Nasdaq Entrepreneurial Center become the home of the Total Weed Award? And she's saying, yeah, yeah. That, well, this sounds great. And then I said, you know, well, you know, we could sell sponsorship. Yeah, we got sponsors. She said, yeah. So we could sell sponsorship against this. And look, I don't need to 
I don't need the money from the sponsorship. Why don't we turn it into like whatever we sell, whatever comes in? Well, let's make this a, a, a fun, <clears throat> pardon me, a fundraiser for the center. She's going, you would do that? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I would love it. I would be honored to do that. Well, what just happened there? We just ended up creating this this collaboration, this partnership. They're getting it. They're they're getting a new award that that'll be tied to to the center for forever. Because I'm not leaving. I'm I'm not leaving. <laughs> like that's what that's what we're going to do. I'm thrilled to be working with them on that. And and um, and, and it's a new fundraiser. That's great too. And and uh, maybe a new way to generate some some buzz around you know, so seed strategy and seed pod strategy creating buzz around the the center. Now, what did I gain? So you got to think about that too, because I have a book that is, I mean, where, like, where does this come from? It comes from my book from how to grow your business like a weed. So one of our first steps in this is we're, we're, we're recruiting or, or pitching to, um, to get a, a media partnership or a media partner. So I don't know, it could be CNBC, could be Forbes, could be the Wall Street Journal. I don't know who it can be, but it's along, it's among those, those kinds of media outlets that they're going to be, we're going to have a media partner for the Total Weed Award. But doesn't that also, like, aren't they going to say, but now where does this Total Weed Award come from? Where does the idea come from? Of course, yeah. it's coming from this book. Hey, do we know anything about this book? Like, have we covered it? I can tell you, no, they've not covered it yet. So, but, you know, my publicist was one of, let's say, thousands of publicists who pushed my book out there in June when it launched. And, and, and that, you know, I didn't, we really didn't get a lot of reaction from the, from the business press, but this time it's being presented by, it's coming from NASDAQ. So, um, and they have partnerships with all of them anyway. I mean, this is NASDAQ for God's sake. So, so all of a sudden they're, they're hearing about the book from a completely different kind of source. And, and, um, I imagine that's going to create a huge new unfair advantage for the book. Which is great. I mean, that's you know, I it's just I'm I'm using weed strategy to grow both my book and and my business. I was just gonna say you are listening to a man that is practicing what he's preaching just to kind of use your own language, like vine strategy is leveraging the networks and available resources of other people. So like yeah. finding somebody that has a platform and how do you partner with them in a mutually beneficial way? And you just alluded to uh your seed pod strategy, essentially like how do you use leg- legacy media and leverage that as an opportunity to spread your seeds further and wider um, and distribute your ideas. So um, total master at your craft. And, w- and I would love to, I would love to dive in to the legacy media part that you had just mentioned, because I, we had just finished talking about contact marketing, some of the, the elements that you were using to build relationships with people and reaching out to them and doing these shock and awe packages but I was really curious to ask you this because in in your book you talk about how contact marketing doesn't work as much in the media uh, when you're reaching out to publicists. So I would I would love for you to maybe share some of the ways that you've attempted to leverage the C pod strategy to connect with publicists and people that would share your ideas. What are some of the contact uh, ways that you've been reaching out to them that get their engagement? Well, I think some of it probably would work, um, but I just I, there's a danger. They're quite jaded. <laughs> and by the way, we're not reaching out to publicists. We're 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 I'm I'm employing a publicist to reach out to the right, sorry, you know, to the to the media. And they're they're quite jaded folks. So um I don't think they I think if you do something that seems gimmicky, then they're not gonna like it much. But 
I don't know. On the other hand, if you send them a night, I mean, like when I send my book out, when I send how to get a meeting with any, I'm sorry, how to grow your business like a weed, I put it in packaging like that. Mm. And that's, it's still, I mean, a box is, is I mean, we see boxes that are, that, that's not very, um, uh, you know, very, very impressive, let's say, but just the stuff that's on the box makes it look like, I mean, like you, you got to wonder what's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and then when you open it up, there's like, there, you know, it's, it has a seed. Actually, that's a dandelion. It's a pack of dandelion seeds, but love that. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a visual metaphor. If you, if you need one, you can open it up and dump the seeds on your lawn. If you need to know what it looks like to grow like a weed, but otherwise you can use it as a bookmark. And so those kinds of things, that's fun to send the book around that way. Um, and I, I think if we send it to the media that way, it's, that's probably fine, but you don't go overboard with the, with the media. They don't, they don't want to see gimmick. They'll call it gimmickry, even, even if it, I don't know. I mean, when I send, you saw, I showed you the cartoon piece that I sent to Billy Jean and, um, and you know, if I sent, let's say I'm going to lift up a big board. So this is, this is a device I use to help sales teams break through. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's foam core. It's actually a hard, hard version of foam core. And it's has a cartoon about the recipient on one side and all, all the branding and message. There's a message from the sender to the recipient explaining who they are, why they want to meet and next steps. And I think if I sent a big board, I'm not sure. I don't know how the media would would react to that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I... So, so I'm a curious. a tough one. Yeah, because you, you had talked about like, because, you know, we we're talking about seeds before, right? Stories can be seeds. Names can be seeds. Those are yeah. all things. And like, so when you were talking about ways to package that, it doesn't necessarily, I would assume, it doesn't necessarily have to mean physically sending something to someone. It could be making sure that your story is cohesive and then how do you pitch the story in a way? So I'm just curious if, yeah. if, if I if I open Stu's email inbox right now, let's say that you were reaching out to someone to try to get some publicity for the book or you're pitching to get on a TV channel or whatever it may be, like what would, how have you approached, uh, like what would your line be and and how could we maybe think about if we were in a similar situation of like, how do you frame something in a punchy way that gets people to be engaging, to engage? Well, I think, I think it's still, um, yeah, a couple of things. One, I, I want to just make sure that, that, um, it's clear that I'm not saying you have to be a cartoonist to do this. Right. Um, and I'm not sure you need to send something physical either. I, I like sending things that are physical because, those big boards show up when they show up that people don't throw them away. I don't think they ever throw them away. I think they stay no, in, the, in their offices. Yeah. Right. Well, in fact, I sent the one that I just showed you, I sent one of those to Mark Cuban and that's framed and it's up on his wall. So I mean, like, and there are many things that you can send that, that, or that, or that happens, but, um, but, you know, I just received this really terrific campaign from, uh, from someone in, from Barcelona, he's in Germany, um, his name is Ed, Edward uh, Amigo, and uh, he did his homework. He 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 knew that. Um, I, mean, I, I mentioned I live on an island a little bit north of Seattle. In May, we have a lot. We have two species of hummingbird that fly through, or they travel through on their way. They're migrating north, and so we just have this profusion of of hummingbirds. It's, it's magical here on the island. So That's you put cool. a, you put the feeder out, and like 
they'll empty it really quickly. We were having, we had three feeders going for a month. We, we put, we ran 55 pounds of sugar to three feeders in a month. And he knew, and I've been posting, you know, I can, I can hold a little, a little um, feeder and they'll, they'll come up and they'll, they'll perch on my hand and oh wow smile around. They're, they're amazing. So he knew all about that. He did his research. He did his homework. And so when he reached out to me, um, he sent an email and he said, look, I've, I've been, I read your books and that's really all you need to, to connect with me because I'm going right. Really cool. Thank you. But he, he put together this terrific email that had a, 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 a um, an animated GIF file of hummingbirds, the two hummingbirds are flying and they're, they're hovering and they hold and they're holding these two strings that lead to this little placard that has a, a QR code. And, and he's saying, um, you know, would you, would you please, please take a, I just, I just, recorded a quick uh, personal video to you, um, which he set up on Vidyard. Vidyard is interesting because if you do, if you use Vidyard and you send, a, and I, I should explain, it's a, it's a platform to send email um, through, sorry, to send video through email. And if you're doing it right, you said you're sending personalized videos. And so um, the really cool thing about it is that when it's all they're all served from the platform, which then measures all sorts of metrics. So you can you can see if someone opened it, you can see how many times they've opened it, you can see if they passed it along, how many minutes it's been played, all those things. If you see a lot of activity, you know something's happening. You know it's being passed around. So Edward uh, did that. So you know the the QR code led to a a video on on um, on Vidyard. And there was this message. He's saying, you know, I I read your book. It's changed my life. I'm going, I love this guy. <laughs> it's great. But he did all his homework. And I think that is probably how we were just talking about the media and reaching out to the media. But I think it's how you, it's probably a lot to do with how you connect with anyone. You know, you, you're kind of doing that here now. Um, you are well known for um, for doing a lot of research. You, you should, I mean, it's like you're a total eat already. I'm, I'm going to certify you when we're done. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. That'll be awesome. <laughs> but I mean, you already know you, you, you've read the book and you, you know, this stuff really well. And, and it makes a big difference, makes a big impression when you show up and you know, things, you know, a little bit about who they are, why they want to like, what are they up to? What, what's their mission? I'm talking about the media now, but what's their mission? What do they like to cover all those things? Why is it that you or whatever your story is will make a difference to them and to their, to their, to their audience, to their ratings? Well, like, what is it that you have to offer and, and why is it relevant rather than something that's generic? Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that really plays into it. I really appreciate that. And I just, I, not to, well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words. It really, it really means a lot. But second of all, I think I just want to share the wisdom that I've learned is I didn't realize that this was an unfair advantage of mine. It took me a while to realize that it was an unfair advantage. But after I heard it over and over again, because I just thought that was the way that you were supposed to do a podcast, honestly, like that sounds kind of stupid saying that, but you know, it's like, I, I really, I'm like, I just, how you're supposed to do it. And then when I heard people saying it over and over and over again, I realized I could create an asset out of that. I could turn that into a video and like that has for sure helped me to have incredible conversations with people like Stu, because when they see that I care about a, a relationship and I'm, I'm, I'm invested in doing the research, it makes it a lot easier to say, yes. Yeah. So there's just an example, I guess, of my weediness <laughs> of like, I didn't realize that that was an unfair advantage and I turned it into an unfair advantage. So, so there's, I guess me putting it into yeah. to play. So Stu, I know we're, we're kind of coming up on time. Um, there's one more thing that I thought would be really interesting to dive into and then we can start wrapping things up a little bit, but um, 
you going back to like seed strategy, something that I read forever ago, actually, ironically, I didn't even put this together. There's a book called Contagious by Jonah Berger. Um, and the, the picture on the cover of the book is like a light bulb, but instead of a light bulb, it's a dandelion with the seeds dispersing. So it's kind mm -hmm. of a really, I'll have to send you a picture of the cover if you haven't seen it. But anyways, I, it stuck in my brain because he talked about how inside of the book, he um there was an example of how Mars bars randomly one time saw this massive spike in sales. And they're like, we haven't done anything to create the spike of sales. What's going on? And they realized that it was it had to do with when they were sending rovers to, to Mars for the first time, that it was just publicly people were talking about Mars and it increased the sales of <laughs> Mars bars, um, which is crazy. But the reason why I share that is because in your book, you talk about this ingenious strategy that you're using with the whole weed thing is that now that you've heard about the, the dandelions, we talked about the blackberries and stuff like that. Now you've kind of owned this space in people's brain that if they see a invasive, really annoying weed, they're going to kind of think a little bit about your book. And so I know there was some intentionality about like when you released the book and how you were doing it in spring. We'd love for you to share a little bit more about that because I thought that was absolutely brilliant yeah. way to build on what you've done. Yeah, well, so we're talking about seed strategy and the names and and stories and and um, sales calls. All these things can be seeds, right? Anything that causes people to become aware of you and form the intent to transact with you in some way are, are seeds that they all qualify. Well, um, you know, and but and and this is a, I, as I'm using it on the book and on on my business. Well, those are the first applications, let's say, known or knowingly, those are the first applications of a weed strategy that I know of for for applying it to a business or to a book. And, and so, yeah, the timing of the book, of the timing of the release was very important. In fact, well, it, it released in the at the beginning of June. I wanted it the 1st of May. And because that's when weeds, I don't know, here in Seattle anyway, that's when the weeds really, you start saying, oh my God, the weeds have just shown up. <laughs> and so that's important because the weeds, for my part, the weeds themselves can be my can be part of my seed strategy, and they show up all over. Well, they're you know in May they're going to show up all over the northern hemisphere, and I suppose in right about now they might be showing up in the southern hemisphere. So they so it's a prompt to. Uh, I think that I knew when I was writing the book that the last I knew what the last line was going to be, <laughs> well in well in advance, which is that um, the weeds are working for me now. <laughs> like, oh, you're the weeds in your yard, they're working <laughs> the for me now. true definition of a weed master. <laughs> That's right. Make the weeds work for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think that every spring, and, and when we do the Total Weed Award, that's going to be at the very beginning of May as well and with the mm -hmm. NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. So all of it will be there to reinforce, kind of like Christmas music. It get, becomes popular every, once a year, you know, and you yeah. can't, it's irreplaceable, but... Uh, and and it does well every year, but because there's this ongoing remind this is like the ongoing mentions of Mars, you know. Yeah. That, well, it's that it, cause... I think if 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 this interview has taught me anything, if the book has taught me anything, it's like there are so many opportunities if you're just creative to look for the ways to turn things into an unfair advantage. You know, it's just like uh, like the, so there's just all the stuff that you do, whether it be to reach out to someone in a really creative way or release a book in spring or to think about the the different ways that you can partner with someone and add value to them. Like those are all require you to think out of the box a little bit, to think a little weedy, to be resilient, to plant your seeds all over the place, to, to use your vines to crawl up all over the places. So I think this interview has been proof in and of itself of the ways that you are leveraging the weed strategy to perpetuate your weed content. And I think that if you're listening carefully, there's so many different 
strategies that you can use. And so I, I know obviously anybody can go pick up a copy of the book on Amazon. We'll make sure to have that linked up in the show notes. But I, I would love to ask you a question that I love to ask all my uh, guests, Stu, and then we can actually wrap things up. But I, I love, would love to know, it's kind of a non sequitur, but I would love to know what does happiness mean to you today, Stu? Hmm. You mean this this very day or? or this, if you can answer that however the heck you want. In general, what makes Stu happy? What's making Stu happy right now? Um, um, you know, I don't, all of life, it just, there are a lot, there's a lot of shit going on. <laughs> there's just a lot of crap yeah. going on in the world. But, but, um, but I think life is just so miraculous. It's just amazing. It's such a gift. Look at just, I guess you got to look at it. There, there are two ways you can look at it. It's either a big pain in the ass or it's a great gift. And they're just, I just think there are miracles all around us. There's all kinds of stuff happening around us. There's always opportunity and, and life can be just, amazing i guess that's probably it i don't know and i'm sitting next to my uh, my dream girl from from copenhagen that makes me very very happy life just makes me happy mm, that's beautiful and just talk about coming full circle it's like you just were impressed by the miraculousness of that dandelion like that one when you were passing on the on the highway and you were just seeing how beautiful that was and turn that into an example that that has now created this this movement that you're creating which is the total weed awards and and the book and all this stuff associated with that so absolutely love that answer um Stu, where can people find out more about you and the stuff that you're up to outside of grabbing a copy of the book um where can they go well um connect with me on linkedin love to do that um very easy if you know how to spell my name and i, I know it's in the show notes so um, just just find me on LinkedIn. Mention that you um, that you listened and, and watched our our podcast together. I, I would love that. Um, you can also come to my author site again, stuheinick.com. So s t u h e i n e c k e dot com. And um, when you go there, oh, I would love to have you sign up on my list because got to build my list. But I'd love to have you sign up on my list. When you do that, then um, you'll get the first two chapters of how to grow your business like a weed. So kind of a nice thing. Those are, those are two great ways to do it. Love that. Thank you so much for, and I, I highly encourage anyone to check that out. I've had a ton of fun reading the book and then also uh, how to get a meeting with anyone. Did I get the title of the other book right? Uh, I, I was I was reading, help me with the other yeah. the title of your other book. <laughs> so I've got, I have them both here. So so here, that this is the early one, how, how to yep. how to grow, or sorry, how to get a meeting with anyone. And then, and then, um, how to grow, uh, just get the light perfection, but how to grow your business like a weed. Yeah, love that. So yeah. I would highly recommend that anyway. I'm gonna, I'm excited to dive into how to get a meeting with everyone because I am looking to add some of your contact marketing genius Please. into my arsenal. So uh, nice. would highly highly recommend anyone go check that out. And I'm just gonna really quick have a conversation with you listening right now. And I just want to say you could be listening to any other podcast. You could be doing so many other things right now, but you chose to click on this episode with Stu Heineck. And uh, hopefully you didn't click on it initially because you thought we were talking about weed in the different sense of the word, but uh, you, you've been in for a treat and learning so much about weeds and their incredible wisdom, whether it be their alien resistance and, um, you know, learning how to do some resilience improv or uh, whether you were learning a little bit about the seed strategy, all this stuff has been super, super applicable. And my, my request for you is if you listen to one of those things that I just mentioned, and it's either made you smile or it's gotten you excited about implementing it, I would I would make my day and it would absolutely make Stu's day if you just took a second and shared it with someone. Um, not only can it change their business, it could it could it could change their life. Just think about 
just how one relationship can change everything. So maybe there's one strategy in here that can help someone build that strategic partnership or connect with somebody or uh, find their spouse if they're doing contact marketing correctly. So uh, would would make our days if you shared that, but whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for being here. And Stu, any final parting words of wisdom that you want to leave us before we head off today? Oh, you know, well, the thing I really want to do, I just want to thank you, Brandon, because it's it's a real honor to join you and and um and share these crazy stories <laughs> with your audience. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm just hugely honored. Appreciate it. It's been a blast and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation, my friend.